Melissa. Hello, Kurt Graves. How are you doing today? I am, I'm having a bit of a day, but, uh, you know, it's snowing, which is my favorite thing, and uh, we finally got my dog to stop picking every squeaky toy to play with while we were recording, so I feel like things are on the up. We'll see if that, we'll see if that's (laughs) foreshadowing for later. (laughs) How was your Monday? My Monday has been very busy, and the person who's moving in across the hall in my office building is moving there from right above me, so it's been very loud. Because they're moving furniture above me and then taking it one floor down and then moving it across the hall. So it's just been a very noisy day, and I still have a lot left to do work-wise, even when we're done recording. So Same here. Home tournament week. Yay. Yay. Uh, so before we jump into today's topic, let's talk about Kakana. We were both in the same place at the same time. And we barely had a conversation. Just as, as is becoming the norm. Yeah, I, people were making a lot of fun of me because, okay, I'm going to admit something on the podcast right now to all the people who are on the South North Etude bus. I lied to you. For the first time in over 15 years of being in forensics, I didn't set my alarm properly on Saturday. I set my alarm for a PM time rather than an AM time. So when I was supposed to be at a bus by 6.45, and everyone knows that I am early to everything, uh, I got a text message that came in that was Ben letting Heath know that the bus was leaving from South. Uh, and it was the second notification of that. Like you get the text once and then it was the back being like, by the way, you didn't see this. I woke up and then scrambled. Shoot. <laughs> I, it was horrifying. I didn't feed my dog. I didn't take her outside. I didn't feed the cat. There was no one in my house because both of my roommates were gone. So I just panicked. And then threw myself and then got there. And Ben was like, uh, we're waiting for you. Are you here yet? I was like, I'm in the parking lot. And I got on the bus. And I was like, ah, my dog threw up, guys. Sorry. You blamed the dog. Of course I blamed the dog. And then I'm on the bus, like, panic texting my mom. Hey, uh, I did the stupidest thing I've ever done in over 15 years of being a forensics person. And uh, didn't set my alarm right. And Rosalind didn't get fed. And Jed didn't get fed. And she hasn't even been outside. And can you please go check on my dog? <laughs> and the cat. You know what? So, it happens. It happened to me once when my phone did a an update in the middle of the night. And then suddenly it was like... You roll over and you're like, huh, I wonder what time it is. It's weird that I feel so awake. Oh, I feel so awake because I should have been up an hour ago. Yeah, exactly. And I'd set my alarm so much earlier than normal, too, so I could walk my dog before I left. No, it didn't happen. I I literally, from the moment I woke up to when I left my house was four minutes. And you know what? To your credit, I saw you on Saturday and I wasn't like, oh, she looks like a mess. Thank you. I was a mess on the inside uh, because I immediately got off of the bus, walked to registration, like I basically walked past Keith as he handed me our registration stuff and then beelined to the judge's lounge. Didn't even sit down before I went to the donut box because I was like, you know what? This needs to go in my body now. (laughs) And then just just reveled in that donut box, man. 
man, we we're not going to do another ode to the Kakana concessions slash judges lounge. We won't do it, but everybody knows how we feel. Yeah. I also think that you and I should take credit for like how much bigger I feel like that tournament's been getting over the years and how far some of these schools are traveling to be there. Like we showed up and I was like, you don't normally come here. There are plenty of other places you can be today, but you're here. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah. Is it because uh, there are five different kinds of cream cheese spread laid out for us this morning? Probably. I think it is. I mean, we're not the ones doing the work of actually providing the food, but we are evangelizing. We 100% are. You're so, welcome, Keith. Yes. And, and congratulations. And evangelizing, Keith's mother is the saint. Correct. I was going to say, and congratulations to his family who puts in so much work at that tournament, making that judge's lounge the, the most extra of Truly. all judges' lounges. Can I tell you what my favorite edition was this year? That would not be your favorite edition. Yeah. There was a baby this year. Oh, I didn't even know there was a baby there. Yeah, there were oh, just like... There are you was talking like, about that, that toddler? I saw that, like, there's a... She was walking already. You can't call it a baby. Okay, fine. There was a small child that yeah. was just, like, chilling. And, like, I loved it. She was just nomming on a banana and... I just turned to Mitch Berkey and said, they truly do have everything because I bet you could go over there and if you asked nicely, they would let you entertain that little girl. Yeah. And part of me wanted to, but that's not an appropriate thing to do. But anyway, did you have a lovely time helping run the tournament? You know, it's a mixed bag with Kakana because... I'm happy to help Keith out, but there's, it's sort of like a t the tournament has two masters. Mm -hmm. And so there's the way that I am used to doing things and systems that I've developed uh, for running North's tournament for the last 10 years now. Um, but Keith does things differently. So it's, it's, a, there's a tension there, not between Keith and I, yeah. just in like how the day goes. Cause it's like, well, here's how I would do it. How do you want to do it? Um, and then, you know, it's Keith's tournament. So he'll say how he wants to do it. And I'm like, okay, well I'll, I'll figure that out, I guess. Um, or in some cases where it just like really, really truly doesn't make sense. And I'm sure if he had all the information I was looking at, he would change his mind. I just do it the other way. So, it's it, for that reason, the day is always a little odd because mm -hmm. like I'm I'm somewhat in charge, but not in charge at all. Yeah. And then people are asking me questions. and I'm like, I don't know. That sounds like you're talking about my job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's very yeah. admin assistant like. Yeah. Because it's like, yes, I have a lot of information and I have access to a lot of things, but I'm not supposed to do it without finding yeah. out what the person who pays me wants me to do. So, yeah. and no, I am not Keith and no, I don't know where any rooms are and no, I don't know what the plan is for anything, but I can tell you how many sections of impromptu we have. <laughs> is that hopeful? Yeah. No. Okay. So, so that, you know, that always makes Kakana a bit of a, an odd duck for me. Um, but it's such a big tournament and I can't imagine not going for the sake of the judges lounge alone. Mm -hmm. And speaking of judges, this week's topic is all about them judges. 
All about them judges, about them judges. Read the rules, y'all. Yes. Oh, my God. Now we have a, an episode title. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All about them judges. Um, so in an effort this year, as we have already stated, to stay positive and to keep things on the, the more constructive side of things, mm-hmm. um, I was looking at the WFCA judges handbook and just realized, like, there's a ton of information here. It's very dense. Yes. And so maybe we can talk about it in a way that perhaps this episode can then become useful uh, to coaches who are training new judges. And perhaps those judges are podcast listeners or they just learn better by listening to things. Mm -hmm. Um, And if they're not sure that, hey, when they hand them this giant packet, if anything even happens with it, they can also give them this episode of Forensics Faces. And then maybe that person can uh, take in some information and not be so overwhelmed by the sheer amount of information that is in the judge's handbook. And there's kind of a lot. And also, uh, we, we I just want to make sure we are specific. We're looking at the judge's handbook, not the judge training slideshow that was put together a few years ago, Correct. which is also a great resource uh, that our uh, good friend, uh, John Depeche Mode Peschel put together for us. Us being the association. And, and those two uh, resources do work well in tandem. Yes. The, the slideshow has a lot of information from the handbook. The handbook can support the slideshow. Uh, so if you're doing a judge's training, I recommend both. I made my own a few years ago based on the WFCA one and just kind of altered it to include some personal info for my school. Um, so that's always an option as well. Um, so if we if we dive into the handbook and we're just gonna kind of like pick and choose some highlights to really make sure that somebody goes into a tournament feeling prepared to judge students. Um, I think you know the first thing that they have on here is judging philosophy and objectives. And really what I think that boils down to is something in the last paragraph. Um, And it says, judges as well as coaches serve as valuable role models for forensics participants. And that's really what it boils down to is like, you're there not only to judge, but you're also there to like model good behavior for the students. Mm -hmm. Um, And so in all the ways that that will affect your day, you know, it means being nice to the people around you. It means asking questions if you don't know what's going on. It means uh, presenting yourself in such a way that the students know they can trust you. It means you're not on your phone in the middle of the round. It means, you know, you're polite to the students. You give clear instructions, but you're also not like overly familiar and being all like trying to befriend high school kids. Um, If you're a recent graduate who's coming back to judge, that means maybe putting a little bit of distance between you and those people or making sure that your behavior shows that you have matured to the degree that you will be able to judge them in an unbiased and fair manner. Like these are all things that kind of boil down to like you are a role model for the students and it doesn't matter if you are two years older than them or 40 years older than them. No age gives you the right to be less classy than we're asking the kids to be. Amen. All right. So as we move through the handbook, procedures and conduct for judges. Anything you want to touch on here? Uh, the 
Uh, so it says things to prepare before you go, making sure you have a stopwatch or timing device, a legible writing utensil. Hey, Kurt, what color is a legible writing utensil? In my opinion, you should stick with black and blue pens. I think as long as it is not yellow, that's fine. I, I think saying, it's mellow. <laughs> if we have to extend it, red, purple, darker greens, but like just a lot of us make copies of those things and so if your pen is too light it's not going to get picked up by the copier mm -hmm. come on guys also pencils pencils are fine yeah you know uh and then it says wearing appropriate business casual attire now i don't think we necessarily have to be business casual as everyone anyone who knows me knows i'm overdressed for most things in life all the time because uh, that's what brings me joy i think that and this is a conversation that you'll be hearing in a future episode. I think that you want to be on the same level of like being that role model and showing that you are respecting the activity by showing up like you care. Like I'm not asking people to be in a full three piece suit. I'm not asking you to wear heels. I'm just saying maybe don't show up in pajama shorts and a hockey jersey guy who used to judge forensics back in the day a lot. Just whatever, just as long as the students can see your outfit and say, oh, they do care. I don't think it needs to be business casual. I just think it needs to look like you give a crap. Yeah. I mean, specifically, there's nothing wrong with wearing jeans. Nope. As long as the jeans aren't shredded to the point where you can see a tattoo on the upper thigh. Or something like that, you know? What if it's a tattoo of the WFCA logo? I still don't want to see anyone's upper thigh. <gasps> not not at a forensics tournament. You're wearing tights. I know. It made, it made that motion less fun. Also, with like three things in my body cracked as I attempted <laughs> to do that. Um, so it also is telling you, it's labeled sort of in a chronological order on this, things to do once you get there, making sure you go to the judges meeting. Every tournament you go to is going to have a judge instruction sheet. I don't think there's a single person who doesn't put some sort of physical paper sheet in judges folders, or at least that you have access to. Uh, and if they don't, they have a very thorough judges meeting. I think the only people I can think of that don't might be no some prairie does they just don't have all of your things set out in mm. there i think uh but there are lots of tools laid out to help assist you once you get there uh including having all the rules for the categories that you're judging accessible to you and most people are arriving at a tournament with plenty of time to go over those rules before you go into round and also allow you time to ask those around you if you have questions about something I don't think I've been to a single tournament in the last two years where there was a judge who had no idea about impromptu and needed to be walked through the process. And I would much rather that be happening that morning with multiple viewpoints, multiple opinions, multiple levels of experience around you than you doing that, like coming back to tab turning in your critique sheets. Yeah, so nobody is above reading the, the instruction sheet or the rule sheets because no. those rules change y'all. So often. Because also tournaments are allowed to have their rules different. It's mm -hmm. only the state tournament that our WFCA rules follow. Uh, so especially if it's a tournament that's allowing both organizations rule sets uh, and doing allowances for different things, just read it. It's there. It's almost always a fun color. So <laughs> go with it. Yeah. 
Uh, so then we get into the competition room. And again, yes. there's a lot of bullet points here. But I but think... can we just talk about the very top one? Because I think it's something that people forget that judges should be focusing on. We can. But I was going to say, before okay. I was so rudely interrupted... <gasps> My apologies. That I think all of these bullet points kind of fall under the umbrella of take care of the people in the room and take care of the things in the room. Correct. Including the first bullet point, which says make an effort to help the contestants feel at ease. Yeah. So don't treat them poorly. There's no reason to intimidate students as a judge. Right. They, so many of them are already so nervous and are so anxious about how vulnerable they're about to make themselves or about whether or not they put in enough work or whether or not it's going to go over well or if they have their piece memorized. So if you can make that environment, I'm not saying you have to be like familial or like chatting them up, but just greeting them in a way that makes them think, oh, okay, nice grown up not mean grown up not scary grown up this is someone who i want to put myself out there for to show them what i have to offer right and in fact they may be the type of student who needs that time that quiet time before the round starts so making too much conversation can kind of get in their head so you may think you're you're making life easier for them but in reality you're not uh, you know, yeah, a nice, friendly greeting, making sure everybody there who's supposed to be, and then let them sit. Yeah. Let, t- let them have their time. Uh, don't ask what school they're from. Um, you can remind them to turn off their cell phones. I always do this if it's a first round that I'm judging. Doesn't matter mm-hmm. where I am or what point in the season we're at. If it's the first round, I always, always, always remind people to turn off phones. Um, and then as far as you know, the the things in the room, you know, just take care of the rooms. If you have to move something to accommodate the competitors, just make sure you move it back before you walk out. Don't bring like a ton of food or anything that you could spill into the, into the competition room. Um, you know, I think, you know, a lot of us walk around with water. Some of us carry coffee. If you're carrying coffee, make sure it has a lid. Yeah. You know, don't be going around with open containers of coffee because you could spill that and now there's an issue and that's disruptive to both the students and to the custodial staff who's working there. And certainly you shouldn't be eating or drinking anything while students are performing anyways. So take care of the people, take care of the space. It's easy enough. Yeah. Uh, And then one of my favorite aspects of this is keeping the tournament on schedule. (laughs) It's so many bullet points for that. And you'd think it's so simple. You would think so. And yet I do not know of a tournament where we aren't in the judges lounge reminding people how to keep a tournament on time. It is wintertime. We are so desperate to get everyone in and out as efficiently as possible. So when one person, it can genuinely be one person can set behind an entire tournament and throw a tab room into scrambles to figure stuff out. Mm -hmm. So make sure that you are following that schedule. Get to your rooms a little bit before the 9 a.m., 10, 15, 11, 30 times, whatever. It's okay to be early. Even if the room's not ready, you and the students can wait outside together and then go in there. You should be filling out your evaluations while students are speaking. I know that can be difficult for some people, but even if it's just writing like the beginning of a phrase and then finishing it out, like later but otherwise it's also knowing the right way to word things so that you can be concise while still constructive 
and making sure that you are always going back to the tab room after every round. Every round. Every, every round. round. Just go do it. And also, make sure all your kids have showed up. Yeah. Don't just, it's, most tournaments nowadays are double entry tournaments. Most yep. are. Just because somebody was not there in the first 30 minutes, and this happens almost every week, a judge turns in their ballot and is like, oh, two kids didn't show up. It's like, well, but it's only, it's, it's literally only been 25 minutes. Like, those kids could still be on their way. And the judge is like, oh, really? I had no idea. Yes. <laughs> so keeping the tournament running on time does not mean trying to get out of there as fast as you can. The rounds are scheduled for 75 minutes. Just keep it within that 75 minutes and give yourself enough time to get to the next room on time. But otherwise, you don't have to try to be done in 30. Nobody gets a prize for being the first person to hand in a ballot. No. And pay attention. If there's information on the ballot that says double entered, assume they're coming. Yeah. Don't you don't need to call the tab room to find out if this double entered person is really double entered. It's on the form. It's on the form. And also tournament directors, you should all be putting that on your forms. There's I don't no know, reason not to. I don't know why there are still some tournament directors out there who think that it's bad to put that on the form. We should it's know it every single time. And if you're someone who is that person who's like, "Oh, it creates a bias." No, it doesn't. No. You're being ridiculous. Don't do it. Uh, also making sure that, and I know that this seems like a dumb thing, but after you're done with your third round, staying in the judges lounge, if you can, to as efficiently as possible, be present for when power rounds go up. We have the technology where we're able to pre-schedule final rounds, which can be great, but there are always occasions where someone is going to have to get pulled and you need to be around for the tournament director or someone from TAB to come up to you and let you know, hey, we actually did need you to judge a final round. Here you go. So they aren't running around trying to find you. Also, you need to be there for the hot goss, man. <laughs> That's where you make your friends. That's yeah. where you learn things. But mostly it's where you can hear the tea being spilled around you. Like, just hang out there. It's it, it's not called the coach's lounge. We literally call it the judge's lounge. Yeah. So... That's where the judges, just make sure you're there. And then one other thing that I always stress, if you have a question, just bring it with you to the table and say, hey, I just have a quick question about something. You might feel stupid. The person might answer you and be a little flippant about it. But I would always 100% much rather know that someone came and asked a question rather than making an assumption and then a student got hurt. Like... Just come ask the question, get a clarification, or find out that maybe you had the right instinct about something and it does need to be addressed by a tab room and by a TPP committee. Just, if you've got the question, just ask it. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And be open to whatever their response may be. Yeah. Because their response may be like, oh, no, we're actually not worried about that at this tournament. You know, yep. like no cards in oratory. Early tournaments, we don't worry about that. Or, you know, somebody may feel that you can use, I don't know, uh, a butter knife in a demo. And one tournament director may be like, no, the knives, like the rules clearly state no knives. Another tournament director might be like, it's a butter knife. I'm not worried about yeah. it. You know, so you might get drastically different responses than what you're expecting. 
it's their tournament. You did exactly what you were supposed to do. Um, but to be clear, and this is a really important point, I think, for people who are new, it's not your job to disqualify a student, even if you are absolutely certain they broke a rule. It's not your job to inform them that the rule was broken. It's not your job to write disqualified on their form. You don't leave them out of your rankings. Um, judge them as you would any other student. Make a comment in their uh critique sheet that you believe a rule is being broken and then rank them as though no rule has been broken and then tell the tab room they will adjust the rankings if in fact that student does get disqualified so we, we appreciate your input and your opinion but final decision is always on tab room and tournament director and it probably won't happen fast enough for you to know what the result is which is yeah. why we can't we can't have you waiting there to rank just in case the rule is being overlooked. Yeah. You know? So just rank them as though no rule was broken, hand in your paperwork, and then the, the tab room can adjust from there. Mm -hmm. um, the judge's handbook does go into detail on a lot of this stuff, specifically for new judges, which we're yes. kind of speaking to anyways. Um, so take a look at that if you want, but we kind of covered a lot of it just now. I would like to skip to tips for writing a good critique. Okay, let me get caught up. Okay, I've scrolled. Okay. <laughs> um, so the way that the handbook breaks this down is it breaks it down into four basic ideas. Identify what works and doesn't work in the performance. Articulate your observations. Rank the performances. That's what we do in our organization. We rank. We don't give a score. We give a rank, meaning one every person will have to be either in front of or behind a competitor. You are comparing them to each other. And finally, justify your rank. I mean, it doesn't get any more simple. Granted, there's a lot of information here that you can look up if you want to. Yep. But all you have to do is identify the things that you like and don't like. Articulate why you like and don't like them. Preferably, you're using the criteria for evaluation in your articulation. Mm -hmm. It's not just like you bringing your own biases to things. We would really like it to be that you're critiquing the substance of the performance and not, you know, not the style or not the uh, your own personal preferences about pieces or opinions on a speech. Yes. Ranking. Again, it's a rank, not a score. You can't give out more than one one. And uh, yeah, justify that rank. Justify that rank. Can we just like sit on that for a second? Please. I know that some judges feel like they'll read the they'll read the critique sheet and they'll understand, but that that's not the case always. Especially if your critique sheet isn't that specific, and if you have ever been in a tournament where I am working a tab table, you know that I'm going to send you off to the side to write a key factor and rank on every one of your critique sheets, so those students know. And I'm going to say it at my, at my tournament this weekend. And I've said it so many times on this podcast. And we say it all over in this association. Those critique sheets are, for majority of the students, the only thing they're walking away with the tournament, like away from the tournament with. So put in the effort. Let them know why so they can leave and say, oh, okay, my presentation is sloppy right now, but my content is good. Okay, great. That's why I got that three. Now I know what I need to do to bump up or I, the only thing that kept me from getting the one in the round was that my speed was too quick. I need to figure out how to slow down. 
and it's not we're not asking for huge detailed things like key factor and rank can be for some people a star that you write there and then you draw it to what you believe is the biggest thing there it can be easy enough if you're if it has to be that simple for you or it can just be a real short phrase some people write out a whole paragraph which is great but it doesn't have to be as big of a thing that people make it out to be but it is a hugely necessary thing to do and i would say to anybody who's like well i already wrote all of my justifications you know our critique sheet is formatted in such a way to create ambiguity Mm -hmm. we are encouraging judges to say both positive aspects of the performance and areas of improvement and so that's why you can't hand in a sheet without that justification because you've given them both good and bad and a student will walk we have to remember these kids they're they're kids they are young they, they will walk away from that saying like, well, I had good things and bad things. Why am I getting the five if I had good and bad? And so the justification in rank is your time to really point out the overall, the overarching um, elements of the piece that made them either successful or that is holding them back. Because you might, the, the sheet is designed to have you talking out both sides of your mouth because we believe strongly that students should get positive feedback as well as critical feedback. So, like, so no, nothing you've written above replaces the justification for rank. Mm-hmm. And if you don't, that police car is what's coming for you. <laughs> yeah. That police car is me at the intake table coming for you for not filling out your key factor and rank. That is me reaching out to the coach that hired you saying, hey, this judge is putting out inadequate critiques. Please have a conversation with them. That is me going up to a tournament host the next weekend saying, hey, your intake table was not looking over their sheets closely enough. I have a ton of students who are walking away having no idea why their ranks are, like what the justification of their ranks were. That that, that police car is me. Yes. Ah, so glad we're keeping it positive this year. (laughs) But here's the thing, like, I don't, I, okay, I kind of went immediately from being a student into being a coach. Like, I was judging, but I was also immediately assistant coaching the second I got out. And so I never really got to be, like, just a judge, But as someone who now hires judges, as someone who represents our organization as program assistants, someone who is constantly having to give coaching clinics that are really just judging clinics, one of the reasons we really wanted to record this episode is because we want people to know we do revere judges. You are one of the more important aspects of our organization, like right under the kids who are performing. So we want to make sure that you have all of these tools and you have all of these resources here for you to help like take you along it's it can be hard we know that it's hard we it's great when a judge comes back from around and I ask how things go and they say oh it was so tough that's great and I want and and that's awesome but I also want to acknowledge the fact that like kids first like we're gonna be nice to kids number one rule like we're gonna follow it and if that makes me stand up on my soapbox and become Sally Field in that movie that I can't remember the name of. Norma Ray. Uh, Norma Ray. Uh, I'm going to be Sally Field. And I'll be Sally Fielding your questions at my tournament on Saturday. Oh, okay. Good job. Thank you. You, you earned that shimmy, girl. <sighs> um, so 
there are in the packet there are some examples of like an excellent evaluation sheet very good evaluation sheets of course this is as subjective as the performances you will be judging so take Mm -hmm. that for what it is um but if you want some examples of like thorough notes that use good uh explicit language uh go check out these uh sample evaluation sheets uh you will see that the ones they mark as good have a lot there the one they mark as bad doesn't have so much there. But you'll also notice there's space on all of these pages. Mm-hmm. And this is something that I, I'm, I'll toot my own horn. I get complimented a lot on my critiques. You write excellent critiques. I am critiques. not somebody who, on a, on a full page critique, I'm not somebody who fills up front and back and leaves no white space. You don't have to do that to be providing good substantive uh, critical feedback. Um, In fact, that can become overwhelming and then it can become meaningless. Yeah. Um, And again, there's no trophy for having the most writing on a page. Pick out two or three things that happened throughout the performance in both positive and areas to improve that you can be articulate and thorough in your noting for the student. Give them something of substance. Um, that is so much better than 15 notes that are all vague, you know, basically just like checking off, like you had diction, you had volume, you had like, that's, that's not, not super helpful to kids, Mm -hmm. you know? So be specific in your feedback and, and don't feel like you have to fill up the entire page. Two or three really good insightful comments on both sides of the page are great. Yeah. And, and with specificity, that doesn't also mean that you're writing huge paragraphs. You can be specific and concise. Something that I've been writing on a lot of critiques for students this year is the concept of word economy of saying more with less. There are ways to get things across and you can say, okay, when you were at this point and being this actor in the plot, like, you really need to step up. You need to commit 100% rather than saying it would be really great if during this part or at this timestamp, blah, 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 blah. Like that's not going to be super helpful, but finding ways to be as concise as you can, because otherwise a student, their high school or some of them are going to be like, I don't, I don't really, that's a lot of things, man. I don't understand what they're 100% asking, but making that specificity and that concision is going to be the most helpful, not just for the student, but also for the coaches, because we're going through some of us hundreds of critique sheets every weekend. So give us help us out, too. <laughs> and you may think to yourself, like, well, if I'm writing that, even if it's for 30 to 45 seconds, like I'm missing part of the student's performance. Yep. It's OK. Forgive yourself. We forgive you. The student forgives you. If you're giving them some some concrete feedback and you know you need to write it down right now because you remember you remember the words that they said. And that can be so helpful to actually quoting the piece so they Mm -hmm. know exactly what like what part you're talking about. If that means you got to take 30 seconds to write it down. Exactly. Do it. Do it. The coach will thank you. The student will thank you. That's okay. Um, These are really good critiques. They are in the handbook as examples of really good critiques. They are not filling in every single margin. That's the point I wanted to make. 
Um, and then it ends uh, with the code of conduct, which we've kind of already talked about. Mm-hmm. Um, Can I just it, point out one thing that I didn't realize was in our code of conduct? Yeah. Uh, the judge uh, coach point six. Small children mm. are not allowed in the judges or the coaches slash judges rooms during festivals and tournaments sanctioned by the WFCA. There are a lot of people who don't follow that rule. <laughs> like people aren't bringing their kids oh. into competition rooms, but like there are children around. Right. I think that that probably is a vestige of when we did paper tabbing and a small child ripping up a piece of paper or spilling something on a piece of paper could have really thrown things out of whack. Yeah. I think now we could a child can be in the room safely and we don't really have to worry about our programs being corrupted just because there's a yeah. kid in the room or something, you know. So yeah. that that might be <laughs> that that number six might be of another time. Mm-hmm. Okay, but can we go to this top ten things forensic judges should not do? Do must we? Because I read I this and I was like, these aren't great. Like yeah. I almost feel like are they a li- they're a little bit jokey. Yeah, they're a little bit jokey, and I feel like they are not that helpful. <laughs> Go through and read it. Uh, there are some things that like are, you know, whatever, but I I don't think it is. You know what? Maybe we're being elitist because we've been doing this for so long. Because some there are some of these things that make me think like, well, duh. But maybe we don't. Maybe maybe it does need to be said. Because if people are not familiar with forensics and they are still willing to give their their time and their energy and their, they're willing to learn, then something like this might, in fact, be helpful to somebody who's never walked into a forensics tournament before. Okay. But, but like, number 10 bothers me because it says uh, things you should not do, misspell common forensics terms on the evaluation sheets. Who cares? We're all writing very fast. If you If you misspell something, it doesn't mean you're not making a good point about it. See, for me, it's number seven. Who is clipping their nails in public at all? Right. Anyway, let alone just being like, oh, shoot, don't mind me. I'm just going to come through and just trim up my talons real quick. No one is clipping their nails in public. Seven. Like, that has to be a joke, right? But yet, uh, like, it says all these things happen during a tournament. Number six is don't criticize a student for not wearing a suit. Like, that's good advice. Mm-hmm. And again, stay tuned for next week's episode about dress code. Um, you know, don't announce that you've never judged the category before, that you don't like the category. Like, mm-hmm. to me, that's such a like, of course not. But you know what? Somebody who's new might, again, might be trying to, in their own way, make themselves and the students comfortable by being like, well, you know, I've never even seen this category before. And I'm just so excited. You know, nah, don't do that. Um, so read it know that some of these are maybe meant to be more for shock value or humor than they are actual advice yeah and that's that is all we will say about that um i also really enjoy that there's a guide uh for coaches to selecting competent judges i know right so all we can say to the judges who are listening to this is like you want to be one of those judges Mm -hmm. and if it's something you enjoy doing like we all pay our judges it's not a lot it's not glamorous but if it's something you already enjoy doing and you can get paid doing it you want to be one of the the go-tos you want to be on the top of somebody's list if you want 
If you're someone who is not necessarily regularly judging for school every weekend, but you want to judge more, there is a Facebook group. I should make sure I get the exact name right for this, uh, where you can post that you are available for a certain weekend or you can keep track of it because there are always judges who are our coaches who are reaching out to find judges. And it is called loading, loading, loading. My dog just bit my foot by accident. It is called the Wisconsin Speech and Debate Judge Exchange. There you go. So, I mean, there are people there are people on there right now who are looking for judges for this weekend, who are looking for, and it's both HSFA and WFCA. So go on there, go through it. It's a great resource. You don't have to be associated with a coach to be judging. Correct. Get in there. All right. So if you are new to judging and this is your primer, I hope we didn't freak you out with (laughs) some very strong feelings about good judging etiquette. Uh, But we applaud you for taking some time to learn more about it before you go and do it. We wish you luck and we want to make sure that you know that we are a resource for you just as much as anybody else in the WFCA. Um, If you don't want to reach out to the coach who hired you or you're too nervous to talk to the tournament director, find us. Send us an email. Listen at ForensicsFaces.com. We will happily give you some advice. And again, we will applaud you for getting uh, the information and going in prepared. Yeah. And like, thank you. As as a coach who has had judges be genuinely life-changing uh, adjudicators for my students and huge motivators and given compliments to them after tournaments and things, thank you. If you haven't done it all yet, thank you for even thinking about trying. You have no idea the impact you can make. Keep Truly. that in the back of your mind. Forensic Spaces is proudly produced in Wisconsin, the birthplace of the National Forensics League. Our theme song was written and performed by J.J. Hammeister. If you're a fan of Forensic Spaces, the best way to support the podcast is to leave a five-star rating and review on Apple Podcasts. You can get in touch with Melissa and me by emailing listen at ForensicsFaces.com. You can also find links to all our social media accounts and online merch store, might I recommend getting one of the nice coffee thermoses, by visiting ForensicsFaces.com. I'm Kurt. And I'm Melissa, encouraging you to listen, think, and speak, preferably in that order.